Hello, and welcome back to Customer Marketing Catch-Up. Today, I'm going to be talking to Virginia Bryant, Director of Customer Marketing at GitHub, about the next stage of evolution for customer marketing. First, though, here is a very quick word from our sponsors, Influitive. This podcast is brought to you by Influitive, the world's number one customer marketing and advocacy platform designed to supercharge customer engagement and deliver social proof at scale. From referrals and references to reviews and video testimonials, Influitive does it all. Approach through Influitive. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Customer Marketing Catch-Up. And today we've got a very, very interesting episode with wonderful Virginia Bryant. Hello, Virginia. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Yeah, very nice to have you on board. And returning again, we have Ari Hoffman as co-host. Hello again, Ari. Hi, so happy to be here. I'll tell you, this one is a special one. Virginia and I have been trying to get to collaborate on something together for probably a couple of years now. So it's finally happening. <laughs> the stars have aligned. Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking this episode about the future of customer marketing, the next stage of customer marketing. But before we get into that, I thought we'd begin by kind of understanding a little bit more about yourself, um, Virginia. So talk a little bit about where you are in your career and kind of how you got there. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, today I am the director of customer marketing at GitHub, um, which is a software development platform, uh, the leading software development platform in the world. Um, And I started my career, as many folks in customer marketing do, in a totally different space. Uh, I actually am an architect by education and then made a lot of little lateral jumps along my career um, until I got into customer marketing about eight years ago um, by building a ground up customer marketing program at Zendesk. Um, And I spent a couple of years doing that and then came over to GitHub just shy of five years ago now to again, build new from the ground up. Um, And then, you know, today, the really great thing is that my role has begun to expand, you know, beyond just traditional customer marketing. Uh, I also look after something called the Readme Project, which is an editorial platform where we really speak directly to our developer audience by giving them uh, actionable strategies to grow their career as both technical um, practitioners and and the culture around that and career growth, um, as well as you know developing a podcast and journalistic uh, articles for the developer audience. So that's been a really great experience for, for me. I have, a, I have a quick question to dive into this one. Zendesk, the luminaries, luminaries. Did you have a yeah. part in naming that? I actually did not. That happened after my time. Um, okay. So uh, Valeria Gomez took the program over shortly after I left and just did some incredibly great stuff with building out the next phase of yeah. advocacy. Yeah. She's at Airtable now, right? I believe so. Yeah. And then the next thing is, I didn't know you were an architect. That's what I was. Oh, wow. That's hilarious. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. I had no idea. I worked in architecture for 10 years before moving over. So that explains the uh, why I'm coveting your ceiling. <laughs> now, yeah. Now we get it. Now we understand why there's such a deep connection here. All right. Sorry. Uh, to... Nah, small world. Small world, isn't it? Um, But yeah, so uh, yeah, today we're going to be talking about kind of the future of customer marketing, where that's going to be going uh, in the next couple of months, in the next couple of years. And 
I know this is quite a quite a broad topic, really. So why don't we start a little bit by kind of narrowing down that focus a little bit? And I wanted to ask um, for you, Virginia, are there any kind of current topics within kind of uh, the space of customer marketing that you think are going to see like a bigger coming significance um, over the next few years? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that customer marketing really is having its heyday right now. I mean, when I got into the space, it was very, very young and there weren't a ton of folks doing it. And now I see companies really emphasizing the vo voice of the customer in, in their marketing strategies. And with that, you know, comes the broader evolution of, of what that can mean. It's not just logos and case studies, but it's, you know, advocacy programs and customer advisory boards. And, you know, my team currently is focusing on how we can activate the voice of the customer through the post adoption nurture. So instead of just focusing on the funnel, you were really thinking about how to transition uh, customer voice into something that can help enable best results and ROI with folks who are deciding to invest in our platform um, by giving really tactical action-oriented guidance on how they can adopt the product in a best practice way. Um, and so that helps us because we you know, can rely less on our customer success teams and our customer service teams to help with that guidance. We develop more evergreen content, but we still ground it in real life scenarios that help people understand what the the work that they're putting in and what you know the optimization of a given feature will actually mean for their end customer or their developers using our solution yeah it seems like kind of longevity really is a big key word in that in kind of like the efforts that, that go through with customer marketing um and so I mean, I guess kind of changing changing sides a little bit with this one. Um, what about the kind of opposite of of longevity? What what um, I guess trends is probably the best word to put it. What what trends are you seeing right now that maybe you think don't have the level of sustainability? Um, that you think others may have at the moment. Uh, they're just kind of getting their chance in the limelight and it may not end up lasting beyond a couple of months. Yeah, I mean, that's a really great question. I don't know that I see something that, you know, is very clearly like, oh, this is a trend. This is never going to work. I think in all the work that we do, you know, in customer marketing or really in any industry, it's about ensuring that your intention and your goals are aligned with you know the problem you have to solve and that you're very very clear on where you're you know where you're marching towards um what where i see things fail and you know i'm not sure again this is like a fad per se but where i see initiatives that aren't successful over the long term it's when you know you don't take the time to really clearly define that intent and what you're trying to achieve and how you're going to measure it up front. And you just kind of like test something or just kind of build something for the sake of building it. Um, you know, because without that, that foundation and that uh, structure, it's really easy to lose track of what you were trying to achieve in the first place. 
You know, I could I could add on to that. And I would agree with Virginia. It's, it's really a hard question, actually, if you think about it. Um, what I would say is there are certain trends that I've watched more, I would say, than industry-wide, but uh, I would go even further down with the microscope and say almost organizational-wide that you see them start to grow and then die out. And so let's say newsletters, right? The the as you see newsletters start to bloom and everyone starts to do them, then they all start to die out, right? But the individuals who optimize and continuously iterate on what they're putting out and trying to make it better, those tend to make it through and not just be a trend that dies. Those tend to be like lasting architecture that looks great, you know, years and years later, like mid-century, just a wonderful piece, a little note to that. Um, and, and same thing, even podcasts like we're on right now. When the market gets too saturated with podcasts, they start to die out because everyone's just like, okay, I've had enough podcasts. I'm up to my ears. And that's why even you and I, Eve, have decided like, let's do this co-host type of thing, make it more kind of like a radio show, make it more engaging. And so it really is about, you can't set a program up and just set it and forget it and think it's always going to be great because it works at the beginning. When it's new and it's fresh, it's great. But how do you constantly keep things evolving and being fresh and really engaging not just to keep your customers hungry, but to really stick out and understand that what is needed changes depending on what the market is selling you at that time. So as things get saturated, you really need to continue to focus on new things. I can't agree with that more. I mean, incremental testing, incremental improvement is a huge focus of of our team. Um, you know, we have a what we refer to in the you know the developer terms as ship to learn philosophy at GitHub, um, which you know, and we also talk about failing fast. And so that means don't be afraid to take a risk or to test something, but don't be married to it. If it's not delivering on the results that you're expecting, if it's not aligned to the intent that you established, quickly pivot and try something new. Um, especially with things, you know, podcasts, expensive, putting out newsletters can be expensive, depending on, you know, what you're using for your mail delivery system. And of course, you know, resources are always expensive. And so, you know, you need to be able to identify the places where you can move the needle the most and be comfortable walking away from things that are heavy investments, but aren't, you know, returning on that value. You know, I'll, I'll play a tiny bit of devil's advocate here because I totally agree that you need to be able to walk away. But also, sometimes we tend, we can tend to say that was a failure. And it was simply because we, we approached it incorrectly. And so we write it off as something that doesn't work for our cohort or our group or our industry when really we just didn't iterate enough, right, to find where it fits. And so in the startup world, when I was in that world, you know, there's a lot of those, you know, kind of cliche sayings, but like fail forward and continuous optimization or continuous improvement. But my favorite one is iterate to great, right? And you never get to great. You're always iterating to get to great. So it's a constant evolving, continuous loop. And sometimes those programs, you just need to tweak it and you'll have gold, right? There's that, that famous book, three feet from gold or two feet from gold. And it's like, I have seen programs where, People have called it and then I've taken over the program Said, no, I think if we just do this and this and they work right where I was told absolutely not. This is dead and you kind of have to get your hand slapped and still do it anyways. So I agree. There are times to walk away. Well, what's that? What's the poker song? You got to know when to fold them. 
right? Don't That's all what, play, no one no. run. <laughs> right. There's there's different scenarios for different, but but mm-hmm. make sure to take the time to understand and digest where it re- really is. Yeah, and, and you know, there's also the complacency that comes when you do get something that is working. Um, you know, something that works great today does not work great in six months or may not work great in six months. And so even things that you believe are successful, think about what are those new, you know, next level of uh, incremental improvement, next opportunity, next expansion to continue to grow it because people get bored very quickly You know, your audience loses interest. And so, you know, how do you continue to keep it fresh? How do you continue to keep enhancing the value? And you can even have seasonal trends that you bring back once a year right? Depending on the season. And like, for instance, the awards program, you can't do that all the time. That's got to be exclusive. It's got to be once a year. It's got to be, you know, so that it has that, that bite to it. So you can also think about it that way. Maybe these are point in time events that you come back to and you tie it together along all through different events that lead up to it again. It's like, don't, don't confuse longevity with rigidity, really. I kind of want to focus in on a little bit about what you said about um, intent and like how important intent is for because we've had conversations in the past with people that the really important thing about um, ensuring success within within different teams, within different strategies is to understand that intent is kind of cohesive throughout uh, your team or your organization or anything like that. So I kind of wanted to ask um, along the same vein of that, um, how do you think that the relationship customer marketing has with other other teams within organizations, say, say like product marketing, customer success, sales, things like that? Do you think that they've had an impact on how customer marketing has evolved in the past? And do you think that they will have an impact with how customer marketing will evolve in the future as well? I mean, I I have to say yes. If you're not integrating with other parts of the business, I I can't see how you, you can have success, especially other people who are in voice of a customer facing teams. I mean, I always describe uh, customer marketing as a bit of a, a hat for us to be successful. You know, we need to ingest information from other teams. We need to align closely with other teams. You know, sales should be a core part of your pipeline generation for how you're, you know, building out customer content or identifying customers to bring to the stage for opportunities, et cetera. Um, Customer success should be identifying places where you could uh, build content or validation that helps to remove some of the lift off the common questions they get day in and day out um, to help accelerate as well as Yep, they know really healthy, successful customers that you can then turn into durable content to keep that you know pipeline flywheel uh, going. Product marketing should be one of the core consumers of the content that you produce. You know, uh, customer marketing teams, some do, most don't run their own campaigns or their own, you know, and strategies for disseminating all of the content that they build. And so you need to be in alignment with your campaigns teams, with your product marketing teams to make sure that all of that doesn't just go on a customer stories page and sit in a drawer 
but is activated throughout the go-to-market mix. It's in, uh, it's on on websites where people can see logos and click into your stories. It's on, uh, you know, you're bringing customers to webinars to re to emphasize uh, your value proposition for your products and solutions. You're, um, you know, bringing customer content into email nurture campaigns to help others uh, either activate their product or, um, you know, build solution validations that people feel confident making a purchase. And so I think we have to move forward in sort of lockstep with these other parts of the business to be successful. I mean, if, if, if you're creating a prioritization, if you're new to the space or you're creating a new program, where do you start, right? Where, where do you build your first bridges? Because customer marketing, I don't know if there is a position that is more centrally connected to more parts of the organization. And it can be really daunting. And it's really scary because you have to deal with everyone. You're dealing with the product side and the engineering side because they want beta testers. They want users. They want feedback loops, right? They want voice to the customer. Dealing with product marketing. You're dealing with all the teams on the marketing side. You're dealing with sales. You're dealing with customer success. You're dealing with legal, right? With MSAs and what you're legally allowed to use, what logos are allowed to be on the website? How are we changing contracts? Are we giving discounts or not for committing to acts of advocacy? So you literally deal with the entire organization continuously. But if I were to say, if you're coming in and you're trying to prioritize where, where to start, sales is number one. Okay, there's Because I don't care how great your company is at retention and expansion, net new acquisition, is always right now, it's always at the top of the leaderboard, especially in times like this, right? Um, that we're in. So sales and, and sales will really help you understand where you can improve business value, right? When you ask questions and you ask for advice, like we were talking about with Leslie yesterday, right? When you ask for that advice from them, where do you see this moving? Where can we help move the needle? That helps. Number two, and this is like, it, it could be number one. Like these are tied for number one. You got to go with these customer success. These are your best friends and allies. They are the gatekeepers of these wonderful accounts. And you've got to make them feel loved and shown that you can help them with their efficiencies. I've said this on, on podcasts before, but one thing you have to think about with customer success, why it's so important is I've never to this day, and I've worked with customer success teams more than I have marketing teams. I have never to this day, Meta customer success managers like, I have so much extra time on my hands. Teach me something new. They are all treading water, whether they're at the enterprise level or at the like massive account in the small business world, right? Where they just, it's not even a, it's not even a, a dedicated CSM or it's not even assigned or an owned account, right? When they're doing digital CS, they are all strapped. And when you're treading water like that, right? Your ability, when you when you have your, your muscle memory, this is how I survive day to day. This is what I do to barely survive. And you're barely keeping your head out. When you try and inject something new into that, it's not because they don't like you or they don't believe in the program. It's simply a survival mechanism. Do not tell me anything new because I have zero bandwidth for that. So it's going to be met with resistance. So how do you, how do you help them if they're going to resist everything, even the things that are going to help them? Well, first, you have to start by giving value, right? Just like we do with our customers, you got to give them value. You got to make them look like the heroes. You got to show them right first. So you build that relationship by driving value first. And as you win them over, they will open because they don't want 
to be the, the sports agent. They don't want to be the manager of this person's, you know, public visibility. They want to help them adopt the, pro the product and be successful. They don't want to wear all of these different hats. They want to give it away. They're just scared because they don't, they cannot jeopardize losing that account because you overuse them because you burn that account out because you ask them for too many things. So, sorry, I know I digress there and I deflected, but I think it's really important to understand how to find that love with customer success. We should do an entire episode just on building relationships mm -hmm. with CS and the things you can do. Um, so we'll find that, but, but back to what Virginia was saying, I would say, start there, right? Okay. Start with sales, start with CS. Then another best friends, product and product marketing, right? I don't know. I actually so. have a, something I'd love to add on to that. You know, one of the things we we're recently actually doing in uh, collaboration with our CS team leadership is defining shared uh, or developing a shared definition of acts of advocacy and setting clear kind of expectations for what our um, CSMs do to actually help contribute, have, help funnel their customer champions to complete acts of advocacy. And those, you know, look like the common kind of list of all the things we do in customer marketing, speaking at events, speaking at a third party conference, doing a case study, providing their logo, giving a quote, you know, beta feedback, all of that. So there's so many ways you can maximize them, but actually, you know, having both teams take a stake in it. And then as you said, Ari, like you need to make them the hero, you know, customer marketers, we publish something or we do something and, you know, you want to share it out with the customers, but it's just as important to share it in with the business. And so, you know, we will put together a big, you know, post kind of outlining the, the story arc and what you should know. And here's a slide that you can use in your pitch decks revenue team. So it's right there for you to use today. But also, you know, thank you to X, Y, and Z person who made this possible. And, you know, as customer marketers, sometimes that feels like you're like, well, what if they gave me an introduction. And then I did all this work and now I'm sharing my spotlight with them. But what it does is it establishes a healthy, appreciative relationship. And then those people remember that moment of feeling seen and getting, you know, helping their own career grow and celebrating their work because they own the account and they don't all the work to get the logo. And you know, so then they come back to you when they have their, another great story to tell and you start getting inbound pipeline. So you're not always chasing people and being like, Hey, I know you heard from me last week, but I'm following up here. See if we can talk to that customer. Um, so, you know, it, it's incentivizing the right behaviors and it will set yourself up for success. Yeah. And all those amazing stats that you get to pull out. Well, that's CSM help them attain those stats, right? They help drive them there. So, you know, the, it, it's, it's all, it's, it's a holistic approach Virginia's talking about here, right? Where you're all part of the same organization, like the organism, not organization, organism, right? And you're you're all looking for that, that, um, oh, I'm gonna say it, it's just gonna freaking kill me to say it, but you're looking for that symbiosis, right? So when you have shared definitions, shared metrics even, you can have shared goals, right? That you're trying to achieve. Let's say it's something like um, all net new revenue right, needs to account to 30% of our total net new revenue has to come from existing install base. You can have a shared number on that, 
right? You can say, this is how much we're going to contribute to that shared number of 30%. But whatever the case, here's a hack for everyone who's listening, who has a hard time of getting um, ownership and, and, and buy-in from other parts of the org. When you do this co-creation, so you go, let, let's set up some shared definitions of what, what this actually means. What do we count? What do we want to count? You might already know what you're going to use, and it might be right there in front. But if you go in and let them get to those answers that you already know you're going to get to, now, guess what? They have a shared interest in seeing that be successful. They want it to work because they helped create it. There is an inherent need, right? So this is such a, it's, a, it's like psychology 101. It's such a hack, right? But it's it's real. And, and it it's a great, it, not only that, you actually learn in the process. You learn characteristics, you learn how people think, you learn, you get deeper connections. So I, I want people to listen to what Virginia said because it is so important to do those little things. It is so incredibly, and it's not something you learn, like you just intuitively think to do because we're so busy getting our jobs done. We're like, just knock this out and get it done. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is one of those moments where they're saying you're too busy, you know, chopping wood to sharpen your ax. This is a sharpening the ax moment. This is how you really get buy-in across the org. So it's, it's sorry, such a great moment. point. All right. Uh, it's funny. My, my current leader, uh, Rob Mapp, who, you know, um, he has shared this story of, you know, someone who's inspired him, who uh, was, you know, an exec. And when there was conflict on teams, the execs would often come together and they would decide on what they were going to do moving forward. But then they would bring the teams together and give them kind of an assignment to pull together, you know, do some analysis and pull together a recommendation. And they would, you know, they would find the same answer. But because instead of the exec saying, this is what we're going to do, they, you know, they led the horse to water, if you will. And so then people didn't feel like it was being prescribed to them and they weren't being, you know, there, it wasn't punitive. It was part of their own, you know, career development and journey. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's kind of like, it's not even like they led the horse to the water. They let the horse think the horse found the water. <laughs> on the trail, Even though there was only one trail. That's true. That's great. It's, it's kind of almost another little iteration of kind of creating champions um, for people internally and people, uh, not just customers, but also the people that you work with as well. Talking about the touch points that, that customer marketing has, these little connections all along the customer journey. My next question is kind of with the developments that we've had in AI and you know chat GPT and things like that. I'm very familiar with it being a copywriter. Um, I think one of the, the questions I have with how important the relationship is with the customer marketer, but then your customers um, in terms of producing content, producing campaigns, things like that. I'm wondering kind of what, what level you think those types of new technologies both help and kind of hinder the development of this kind of um, this kind of job um, and like the you know the potential dangers of maybe leaning too much on it. You know, is there a balance that we can find? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, this is a really interesting question, and obviously, this space is evolving very rapidly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we 
GitHub has a a, a tool called Copilot, which is an AI uh, pair programmer for software developers. And, you know, even figuring out how to talk about it in marketing is challenging because it's evolving as fast as we can, you know, we can write. Um, However, you know, does my team use ChatGPT? Have I used ChatGPT to help like structure comms or, you know, write a doc? Absolutely. Um, You know, it's, I think if you can, you know, I think sometimes the hardest thing to do is start with a blank page. And so sometimes for me, I know that like, I will use it just to get something to brainstorm off of. And, you know, the final product is very much, you know, my thoughts and words, but I, you know, I was just in this loop of staring and not knowing where to type and, you know, writing the first sentence and erasing it. And so it just helps you get something out of your head. Um, you know, I think in, in, in relationships with customers, I really believe, you know, relationships need to be that they need to be personal and they need to be authentic. And I think if you start to use, you know, a a chat GPT type solution or generative AI, instead of writing honest from the heart kind of communications, uh, you're going to lose something. And so, you know, it's not, that's not necessarily where I would start. And I think everybody in customer marketing takes this a little bit differently and has their own voice and how they speak with their customers. I'm a more informal person. I'm a more, you know, human connection person. And so my, my communication with customers tends to be slightly less formal, especially as we establish that deep connection. I've, I have advocates who I've been working with for five years here and, you know, I'll send them a note. That's very much like, Hey, how's it going? Sup? What do you want to, you know, work on? Like very casual that I would never do with like a net new outreach. Right. But if, if I just was like copy and pasting something over from generative AI, we would lose that. And I don't think we'd build that deeper connection that allows them to be the folks that I go to when I'm like, man, I have an, I have a customer marketing emergency and I need help. And I'm going to disclose that I have an emergency and all the things that went wrong. And we're going to be totally transparent about this. Uh, and that, that drives better outcomes in my mind. I would say, you know, there's a very fine line between being efficient and being lazy, right? And, and AI will show you where you fall because if you use AI to be effective and efficient, brainstorming, co-creating with it, you will find that you can shave hours off of your day. You can save brain power for other things. You can open up new doors. But if you're lazy, what you'll do is you'll simply take what it spits out and leverage that. That is not where you will find your best bet, right? It's still not at the point where it can just take over. It's at the point right now, at least, where it still requires your human touch to round it out. And if you don't do that, I've already seen it. I've already seen the LinkedIn posts now, right? That you can totally see what ChatGPT wrote versus what humans wrote. And some, the good ones, you're like, is that ChatGPT? Is that, that's probably ChatGPT underneath that someone took the time to customize, right? And tailor into their voice. And so you'll need that. Where I see AI really, really helping is in creating programs and awards, the outlines of them, 
Like, tell me about the structure of what I could use. You give it in. Like, for instance, we're, we're going through a rebranding right now of our entire um, own use of our own product and our own community. And we um, are going through this process where it's going to be almost like net new, but we have to bring in a lot of the old, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, we have this idea of how we want to name it. It's met with some resistance, some ambivalence. You'll never get it right. And so we want to create a video that talks about the vision. Well, we're going to go to ChatGBT. We're going to show other videos that we like. We're going to say like in this vein, but this. Now, are we going to use that as a final script? No, but we're going to use it to at least start because it can be a really tedious process at the beginning to at least, and then we'll take over. So that's how you use it to be effective, efficient. You can use it like even in generating, auto-generating challenges and programs within software. Um, but yeah, so to me, that's where we're at right now with that. I think there are other things that are, are going to evolve more in the future of customer marketing in the near term that will be just as impactful um, as AI, just different. And I think it's going to be more customer-based, but you know, that's that's evolving as we talk. Yeah, completely, completely agree. And I think that the the big thing really that's kind of come out of that is is actually, you know, customers aren't aren't idiots. They they know the voice of of you, the voice of your company, and they know the voice of ChatGPT. And I think the big problem with that is the fact that ChatGPT is not unique in any sense. And that's kind of the reason why people choose particular companies because of there's something there within the company, within the company voice that they connect with. And you can't do that if you're using ChatGPT as your voice. I bet that will come very soon, though. <laughs> I, you know, I know with uh, some of like GPT-4, you can start to have it ingest your writing style. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there is this is going to change the landscape. So, you know, we as somebody who also looks after, you know, a content platform, it makes me a little squeamy, you know, it makes me a little nervous. And I think like we have to use it to accelerate. We have to use it to remove manual, repetitive sort of low-lying tasks that are not, you know, really customer focused or facing. Um, And, you know, we have to, continue to think about if how we're using it is helping to align to that you know intent of what we're trying to build and you know don't don't get don't get sloppy i guess like as you said remember how you differentiate yourself your voice um and you know use it as as something to help you so you can focus more on innovation Mm -hmm. uh but don't let it you know take over for you yeah, yeah, it's a very good point. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess moving on from that, talking a little bit again about customer expectations and stuff, I wanted to finish this session with, um, I guess, kind of what advice you might have for newer customer marketers, people kind of getting into it, newer businesses who are kind of just beginning to delve into how fast this landscape is, um, you know, what advice would you have for them and, and kind of, you know, perhaps even like what, what resources or what learning opportunities would you recommend to kind of, you know, get somebody 
started and aware of of how quickly this topic can evolve um you know over the time of just you know a year or so so you know in thinking about how to really maximize the lifetime value of of an advocate which maybe sounds like a very dry way of talking about a human being um but you know it's to me it's um all about putting the customer first and we talk about this we talk about making the customer the hero and i think that people who are excellent in customer marketing don't just say it but they internalize it and they truly truly believe it and it means a lot to them you know i am consistently trying to think about how can i um understand the individual goals of the human being who I'm working with? How can I help find opportunities that align to their own professional development goals? I mean, just like I'm excited to be here today with you all because this helps me to develop my own you know, personal brand, so too are the customer advocates that you're working with. So you know, how can you give them an opportunity to be a thought leader um, with among their peers? How can you give them opportunities to network with people who could, you know, help educate them, help uh, accelerate their own challenge, them through their own challenges and their own obstacles because they have common knowledge or even help them to find their next career opportunity. And, you know, so continuing to remember that, you know, that big logo is great on a website but that the person who helped you to get that big logo is a human being who is choosing to take time away from their core remit to help you succeed and and help showcase their work and be a champion for the activity and go through all the comms and legal headaches that it can take to push one of these projects through. That's what's going to build that long time relationship. And then similarly, like don't, don't BS your customers. If you mess up, own it. If you're coming to them because you have an emergency, because another customer dropped out of an opportunity and you need to fill it tomorrow and you know, you know, you're basically sending them the last minute wedding invite after the main guest said no, like own it, be honest. It's okay to say like, I am asking you a really big favor here and I am in a tight spot. People appreciate truth, transparency, and humans. They don't want to work with robots. They want to work with, with other individuals. And they oftentimes, you know, they care and they will go out of their way to help you if they realize that you're in a pickle. Um, and they'll, you know, come back and rely on you if there's a time that you can help them. And so, you know, build together um, and look for those ways to, to grow, you know, the human and not just the brand. Yeah, there's there's two points I want to hit on. I'm going to go on backwards from what Virginia said. So one, and I'm going to use a bad word here, own your shit, right? That's what she's saying, which is if you make a mistake, own it. Sometimes, even if someone else makes the mistake, you own it. Because when you are vulnerable and you expose yourself, it's actually an opportunity to build a deeper relationship with your customers because they're humans too and they make mistakes and they will relate and they will empathize with you. But if you act like you're just a brick wall, they're going to treat you like a brick wall. All right. And there's this saying, right? People want the sausage. They don't want the sausage making, right? Which means don't give too much detail. Well, when you mess up, 
give a little bit of detail of how you actually messed up and, and get, paint the scenario so that they can understand they can relate to you, right? Use that as an opportunity to build a deep relationship. Now, back to the other one. We have this, you know, we use, we, we, most of us who are in SaaS understand the idea of what the subscription economy is, right? Versus the perpetual sale. So for those of you who don't, a perpetual sale is old school selling where we would take our product or software and we would go sell it to a company. And then we would wait a year and we would try and resell it to them. And every year you're trying to resell it to them. And so you have an account manager who would check in in Q4 right before the contract is up and say, what can we do to make sure that you'll stick with us? But by that time, what they realize is that customer, if they weren't getting the value, they've already moved on. They've already taken demos with other products. They've already, they probably already started to integrate with another product and you don't even know that. So that, that's where the evolution of customer success came in, which was in the subscription, which is we need our customers to get value day one out of the product, right? Out of the, And even if it's, they're not launched the product, it's out of our services, right? Software as a service, it's our services that we're providing, our onboarding, our academy, all of these things are adding value into them, turning them into subject matter experts of our product, as well as in the industry, right? So we know that, we know that we've done that as in the industry. Yet we will go to certain marketing programs and we'll treat them like the perpetual sale. We'll do perpetual marketing where it's these one-off things. So what I tell to newer people who are having a hard time with this, you have to start with yourself first, which is if you think of yourself as someone whose job is to go get case studies and go get reviews, guess what? That's how you're going to treat everything as one-offs. If you can imagine yourself as different in this relationship. So what has worked for me is I really picture myself, I'm not just saying this, as a B2B sports agent, I feel like my job is to find champions. They make themselves, but find them and shine a spotlight on, help them be get better commercials, help them get right better sponsorships and product endorsements, help them get better contracts, help them get more visibility, right? Why do you think I have Virginia on here? I am 100% doing this to help her grow. And you think that doesn't help develop our relationship? Absolutely it does. And so it's this, it's, it's knowing how to look at yourself because if you do that, then as you go out, you're going to be providing value as often as you can, because you see the benefit of doing this together, right? There is a shared interest in your growth. And guess what? We are all going to be the next leaders that are coming along, right? We're going to be the next CMOs or CCOs. And guess what? When we look around at our industry, it's going to be all the people we built relationships with and bridges with. Right. So when we're running conferences and we need speakers and we need all these, we're all going to have each other's backs. We will be there in a heartbeat. We're going to be texting each other because we've developed those kind of relationships. In fact, it's one of the hard things we talked about on our last podcast, which is when you leave a company, it's like removing a piece of your heart because your customers are there and, and you grow such a fond relationship. And so I think for this, start with yourself, picture yourself. However you need to do it, picture what you're doing and how you want to rationalize what you're doing, but step out of that perpetual motion, perpetual sales. You are not just getting case studies. You are a bridge for somebody. You are helping them shine. And that is like, we get to make friends for a living. We get paid to do this. Are you kidding me? Like, this is the best job on earth. I love what we do, right? So start there. I really think, because that's how you deliver on what Virginia is talking about.
I actually want to, you know, make one little point on that. All right. Uh, also, yes, thank you for being a champion for me. I very much appreciate it. Um, but, you know, you made a note about leaving companies and, and losing those customers. I've actually, you know, I think a great testament to the value of relationships. I've had multiple customers over, you know, my eight or so years in this space who have gone to a different company that either uses the same solution that they used before or where they bring that solution in with them, who the first thing they do in like the first you know week or two is they reach out and they say, hey, I want you to know now I'm at this company. I'd love to work together to build more content, to speak at another event, et cetera, as you know, on behalf of this organization. And so you actually, you know, I have, I have this one wonderful gentleman, John Paris, who I've worked with, who's, he's been at three different companies and worked with me on projects from all three of them. And, you know, for me, I'm like, man, should I tell you where to go to next? Cause I, there's that one logo that I could really use. Um, but you know, those relationships can last a, a you know, professional lifetime or, or beyond. And they do. And they do. I just mean, we are all so busy that it's hard to sometimes keep up with those when we've left and when we leave, not when they leave, right? When they leave, it's a little bit easier. And we call those boomerangs, right? People who like leave and then they come back, right? To the same product. We love that. And, and that shows the value of the product and the relationship and all that. But I mean, like it, it can be hard when you leave because your time is strapped. And so it, it's, I have one, like, even when I do posts, right? All these ex-customers are always, engaging and sharing but it's like that day-to-day -day where you get to talk to them and and find out so much about what they're doing it's just it's hard it's hard absolutely mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah <laughs> it seems like yeah the the um crux of it really and yeah call me out if i'm wrong but the kind of crux of ensuring the 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 that you kind of sustain yourself throughout the evolution of where the business goes really is to be flexible, to understand what your relationships are with your customers and with your internal people, but really also to evolve alongside your customers. And the fact that, you know, I, I, Ari, you joke about using symbiosis quite a lot to describe it, but it is a very, very, very good word for it really is that it's not you versus the customer, it's you and the customer within this kind of uh, relationship, which is what will ensure the fact that you actually survive, you know, going on through years and years and years. Um, yeah. Would you say that's correct? <laughs> I think you got it. You got to give to get, right? <laughs> Yeah, wonderful. Well, uh, in lieu of that, I want to thank you so much, Virginia, for joining us for this conversation. It was it was absolutely wonderful. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can chat again sometime soon. And thank you, Ari, again for uh, joining me as well as co-host. Yes, I had, a great, I had a great time. Thank you so much. This was a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Ari, as well for inviting me and Eve for being such a great host. You are the best. Thank you so much for coming.